podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. Yeah, hello. Hey, true crime. How's it Bloody going? Bloody Benders up. What? We're doing the Bloody Benders. Oh, um, do you want to, how are you? Do you want to talk about how we're doing? Or? No, I already told you last week that I'm not doing these intros anymore. Oh, did you say Bloody Benders? Bloody Benders, we're doing the Bloody Benders. Look, the intros are starting to feel a little bit like it's becoming the, oh my God, we killed Kenny. <laughs> of the podcast. Like, how many times do you want to kill Kenny? Did, did you ever watch South Park? Yeah, yeah. well, I've been... I have a park that's... Uh, there's no playground in it, but it's south of town, and it's... Uh, yeah, I think most towns have a South Park. No, the... No, the show. The show South... The show South Park. Mm. The animated series. Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. You I, don't know what I'm talking... You have no fucking clue what I'm talking about, do you? Hmm? Okay, yeah. So, in South Park, they killed Kenny the first, like, three seasons, and it became a thing. Like, how are they going to kill Kenny this, this, oh, this week? Oh, every episode so, they would kill him. And then Matt Stone and Trey Parker were like, the creators of South Park, they were like, it just got, it became like a novelty kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's what these intros are starting to feel oh, like. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's a novelty. Like if someone that knows stuff pretends how many they times don't know about stuff. And, how many, and in how many different ways are – how long are we going to kill Kenny up? Yeah, okay. So with you said bloody benders, that brings to mind – I have no idea, but I'm guessing is that – like is that, um, is that slang for like a difficult menstrual cramp? No. Is that no. a – no. Is that a gang from the IRA? It's not a gang. No? No. No. Mm. no. Sound, maybe it's uh, like a really abusive uh, alcoholic withdrawal? It's not a, not that either. It's, mm. Whatever that is, it's not that. It's basically, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family without the cannibalism. Wow. In the 1870s. That was the Bloody Benders up. Let's drop the music. Recording has initiated. In every small town, every section of city, exists a family that amongst the locals are spoken of and navigated about as more of a clan. They will have been a consistent nuisance through generations, making tradition of creating a scene, causing trouble, and generally being difficult. Their claims of possessing superior IQ will be suspect. It seems that the dumbest of us fixate on intelligence, but their collective spirit is always indomitable. Without fail, these families will consider themselves ostracized and outcast, but refuse to be deemed weak and worthless as well. These units, often known plainly by their last name, 
mingle freely and frequently in the pursuit of small petty victories over their community, their enemies, perceived enemies whose only real affront is often justified, a request to shut their mangy feral dogs up, an order to remove some dangerous hunk of broken farm equipment from the edge of their property. But no matter to a clan, no matter if they're right or wrong, this is war, us versus them. And those small petty victories, like telling the old hag at town office to shove it or giving the high school principal a scare at on the perimeter highway, they carry home like scalps and pinned to the board of retribution stories forever repeated, passed down and heralded as examples of their way, the family way. Ever since way back when one unhappy, pathetic loser now known as, say, Grandpappy Jenkins or Old Man McElroy found a malleable and miserable enough woman to start a family with so he could become patriarch, become overlord to those of his own creation. These families, these clans, often hate each other with a passion that trumps love and its by-production of loyalty. A kind of Stockholm Syndrome working to convince each member that absolutely nobody understands them except their kin, that the world, for some long-forgotten reason, is out to get them, that in the end they only have one another and nobody outside of their circle can be trusted. And sure, little sis Hannah is a horrible, scheming bitch, a rotten, filthy... Hey, hey, only we can say that. Only we. And yeah, big brother Bill has a thing for youngins, has been known to tickle a little too long and low until nervous giggles turn to desperate wriggles, but hey, that's our gristle to cut, not your gossip to chew. And so on and so on and so on until the honeycomb of the hive stores a poison that they exist on. One that will knock any person foolish enough to enter dead. Dead before they know what hit them. Pockets empty, body dismantled, pulverized, scattered in the yard, and not a word of it ever spoken. Outside of the sticky, forever thickening walls of a clan. Good God, Jack has a sexy voice. Boy, he does. Even when he's not talking about molestation, it is still he, well, just... I think maybe there was like some references. Maybe. maybe one or two references to molestation in there, but... I don't know about you. I've started blocking him out when he talks about it. It's just like no, I don't know weary. any hymns, so... Mm, I do. Like, I know a couple. <laughs> whenever you block stuff out, you hear hymns, I hear like Guns N' Roses. It's like... <laughs> Take me down to knock, knock, knocking on Kevin's door. <laughs> is it no. Kevin? Is that what it is? Kevin's I thought it was Kevin door? until I was like 11 years old. I always thought it was, I went to the danger zone. Gonna take a ride into the danger zone. Isn't it highway to the danger zone? It is zone? highway, but I didn't know. I always thought it was, I went. It seemed more bad, like, you know, tough guy. Like, I went there. You know? Like, <laughs> it's not just a road piece of construction no i was there i i went to the danger zone in my f5 f16 you know with goose behind me i've never seen top gun i don't know if there's qualifications for instantly going to hell upon your death but that might be one of them <laughs> you should but, but i feel like mm. through all the like jokes and spoofs and and the movie hot shots i, I used to read the the mad comics mad magazine and saturday night live even though, do you have movies like that where even though you haven't seen them, I feel like I have seen Top I feel like 
I would understand any Top Gun reference, even though I've never seen the movie yeah. Top Gun. Yes, for sure. I've got those. Like, um, I've never seen Porky's. There's a lot of nudity in Porky. I mean, 13-year-old Kent really loved Porky's. Oh, okay. It was really, it was really a help. Yeah. I, okay, definitely going to really, skip that one then. There's a um, shower scene. This is, yeah, you should watch Porky's up. Isn't there the guy, John Belushi, wasn't he in Porky's? I don't believe so. No. Okay. Okay, no. good. Jim Belushi, no. was he in Porky's? No. No, okay. I don't think so. I, don't, I actually don't know the plot. Okay. I, I, I know that I fast-forwarded and rewound it a lot. We had it on VHS. <laughs> we had that when I was growing up. My mom had Porky's, and we also had a movie called uh, Beyond the Law with Charlie Sheen. And I remember... <laughs> There was a strip club scene in that movie, and I rewound and, and fast-forwarded. And I've I probably seen that segment of Beyond the Law with Charlie Sheen about 370 times. But I don't know what that movie was about at all. Was Beyond the Law the one with Charlie Sheen where he was an alien that came down to Earth and rode a motorcycle that was very, very quiet? Oh. No. Is that... Is that even? I don't. I, don't I, I just remember. I don't know if you grew up in the. Where the age. fuck do you watch movies? <laughs> Did you grow up in the era when HBO was a thing, and you'd watch HBO? But over the course of a month, they would show the same three movies like seven thousand times. So you got to see like Beyond the Law. Oh, 7,000 times. And then you had to wait for the next month before you saw something new, it seemed. Now, we didn't have HBO when I was growing up. We just had a VHS player. Mm. No, uh, but I didn't have HBO. We had Beyond the Law. We had Beyond the Law with Charlie Sheen. We had Porky's, which had a lot of vaginal bush. Yeah. And we had Flubber with Robin Williams. <laughs> that's a really weird mix. It's like, And that's a good combination. And I don't care who you are. That's I think comments. if you if you if you break into a pedophile's house where he has been he uses a certain room for grooming children, I believe that's the three that's the three pack of videos that, that he oh, has. And I may have stolen Flubber from that, that sixteen year old boy that lured me into his trailer on the last episode. I don't remember. But I know we had Flubber. I don't think I had the case for it, which is a very poor white. Appalachian, right? Why do poor white people never have the cases to their DVDs or their VHSs? That is a that is a white thing. And, and there's at some point somebody's taped over the little recorder block, and there's an episode of like Wheel of Fortune at the beginning of the movie recorded over the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, and Literally. it still has the please be kind, please rewind sticker on it, indicating <laughs> that it's actually been stolen. They didn't even purchase. The reason they don't have the case is because it just had a sleeve from the video from the video store. Yes, I know this. I know. I can just see you leaving that kid's trailer too. You're like, I don't know what just happened, and I am not happy about it. But I am keeping this copy of Flubber. And the guy's like, You do whatever. Yeah, you do whatever you want. <laughs> I have my way with you. And you're like, I don't know what that means, but I'm leaving now with your copy of Flubber. And he's like, Ha ha. And I don't know if you've ever seen Flubber, but it was a good one. It was kind of worth getting molested over. <laughs> that was that was a good movie. <laughs> that was a fair trade. <laughs> I got a mouthful of semen and a copy of Flubber, <laughs> and and that's fair. Uh, seems like I, I would have paid more. <laughs> I would have probably thrown in a, a reach around or something for the case. <laughs> Wish I could have got the case. Yeah, we all have regrets, don't we? 
Life never goes exactly how we want. Hey, uh, yes. On our episode that this week, you know, did you ever have? Did, was there like a terrible family in your hometown that everybody knew of, or, or did you ever have like really bad neighbors? Because our 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 case that we're going to go into this week, they were just they had a lot of neighbors and they were the weird neighbors. I had two sets of neighbors that I recall distinctly. If from, I moved very many places as a kid. My dad, I was following my dad, who was following the corporate ladder, I believe is what he would say. And so I was in thirteen schools between uh, high high school and first grade. I was in thirteen different schools, and in those there were two neighbors that I distinctly remember. One was a, a a family that lived just around the corner from us. They owned a bread store, which you would think puts them in kind of the, you know, earthy, hippie kind of, maybe, you know, like earthy kind of people, especially since their bread store was called like Harvest Earth Grains or something weird, like, you know, very yeah. earthy. But, Gluten-free. Yeah. But this was the 80s, so they, they kind of... We didn't even know what gluten was in the 80s. They didn't. They just ate it. They ate whatever yeah. was in the bread. Um, but they, speaking of trailers, they were, didn't live in a trailer, so not really speaking of trailers, but speaking of the substance, the contents of a trailer, I would go over to their house and play with their children. They were unabashed about the fact that, like, under their little TV nook was just porn, v- VHS. It's just porn, just porn. And they were like churchy kind of family and everything, but they were very, like, I kind of got the feeling. That makes it creepier. Yeah. I got the feeling that, that they they were the kind of people that were like, well, let's get the kids. We're going back to the nudist colony this weekend. Like, just, you know, out there. Very confident. I I don't believe I ever saw them nude in their house, but I wouldn't have put it past them. I guess. Do you think that they watched the porn? Like, do you think that it like they wouldn't have minded? Do you think that they had like so they had like movie night? It wasn't like weird. Where like they're like, who's ready for popcorn and big gaping anal holes, volume three? Yeah, kids are like, yeah. I wasn't anything like that. Their 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 kids grew up. What kind of porn was it? Uh, well, I only saw like the, the the spines of them. Oh, so you don't know if it was like glory? Was it glory hole porn or there was you know bukkake porn? I don't know. Most cr- of covers, cream pie porn. I don't, I don't know. Tentacle that, porn, and then there's like threesomes. I don't think that's And then really, there's like the scat porn where they really, shit on each other. I believe that's against science. And then there's like sometimes so, you'll see like the the triple hand job. Po- have you ever seen the porn where they like lay on the board? They put a pole in a board. And they'll lay it down like a table, and then the guy will lay, the fellow will lay on his belly on the table and put his dick through the hole. They call it milking porn, and the lady will just start yanking on his dick, just yanking on it. It's like a, it's like kind of like a fun, like a diet glory hole porn kind of thing, where she's underneath the table, and his dick is just hanging there like a punching bag, and she's just, they call it milking. What were we talking about? Flubber. Yeah, that was a good show. They were a weird family. Okay. Also, there was another family, too, that they had, like, three houses that work in a... They were a... They were three sides of a square, and then the middle was, like, their driveway. Think David Koresh. Okay. Yeah. And they also did martial arts, 
And so you'd hear them doing martial arts sometimes, and then other times you'd hear them, I think, killing people. Okay. And that was really scary. You know, you never went there. Uh, it was off the beat. It was like a dirt road, then dirt driveway, then three houses in the middle of dirt. And there were screams, and there was a lot of Asian kind of exclamations, like karate kind of. I would put it in the karate Was camp. this family Asian? No, they were not. They were... What, what do you mean by Asian exclamations? Like, you know, ones that you would hear if you went to a dojo. Oh, like, like hey, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. Or, you know, look, it's Godzilla. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, give me another. Yeah. Or a neuter. You know, that kind of thing. And and if it, and just to pause for here, if anything is good for a podcast, I think it's it's subtle racism. Yeah. The cultural appropriation that's inappropriate, yeah. which yeah. I'm glad we don't do here. We do not. No. We do not. No, they were really scary. Like that family scared me. Like I thought every time a kid went missing, I thought, yeah, they're there, they're there, they're that 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 threesome house, the house of three, the yeah. martial the martial artists. And did that ever come to a head? Was where you got getting up for frosted flakes one morning, and the paper was like family caught, you know, stealing the cats and making. No, I was just extremely scared of them. I know, I. I they ju- I just knew people were dead there. That's all. Never oh, okay. prove it. Okay. I just knew they were. I wonder what they're doing these days. I don't those know. Kids. I should look it up on Google Maps and see if the house is still the, the threesome house. Did you have, have you ever read any of Stephen King's books? I've read almost all of Stephen King's books. Okay, you remember The Dark Tower? Ah, I haven't read that one. Oh, goodness. I, I, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, that, that book never interested me. I, I, I just... Okay. Never was like that. That you know how you like fill one out and you're like I don't think I like that. It was like the they have a cowboy on the front of it for some reason, and that just like I was like nope, don't want a cowboy in my Stephen King. I don't know why that was like such a hard no for me. Like Stephen King and cowboys can't do it. Let me just put that 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 uh, that kind of reasoning into perspective. It's like I just asked you. Hey, have you ever heard stories about Jesus? And you're like, yep, sure have, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so you know the Bible? And you're like, nope, that's one I haven't read. That's basically what you just said. I would argue, I would argue that probably <laughs> that, that Stephen King's Bible is probably, even though I didn't enjoy this book, Cujo... Yeah, Cujo Pet Cemetery. Cujo maybe. Pet Cemetery. It. It. Um, it was probably any of his books that don't have a cowboy <laughs> in them. And I would also say that I would have never read the Bible if if I had showed up to Sunday school at eight years old and and the Sunday school teacher was like, first we're going to start off the chapter that has the cowboy <laughs> in it. I would have been like, fuck this. I don't want to hear anything else you have to say. Okay, fair point. Fair I'm just, point. I'm very staunch mm. against cowboys in literature. I guess. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's odd, It's odd, but I'm gonna, I can tell you're behind it and I can respect that. I'm getting mad. I'm mad for Ooh. you. There is a cowboy in the Dark Tower though, right? Well, there's a, there's a character that he's, uh, he's sort of a, a wanderer. If Let me you ask will. you this: Does he have a hat? Yeah. Okay. Some, sometimes. D- describe the hat. Cowboy hat. No, yep, there you go. <laughs> there it is. Well, okay. that's how they get you. 
I see. I see. <laughs> so you would say that in the pedophile's room where he grooms children, that book is the one that he uses to get you to like Stephen King. It, it, that's the gateway. It's like the creepy way of getting you into Stephen King books. Nah, I would say that the pedophile would use it because of all the child fucking that goes on. Yeah. And there, that book, I love it. It's probably my favorite movies and my favorite Stephen King book. I will say that it had a lot more child sex in it than, than I prefer. It's weird because when you talk... I get tinnitus. It's like a beeping that happens when you talk. Like, I heard child. So you said something about a child. Have you read it up? Yeah. So did you, do you, is there like oddly to you, like weird paragraphs? Was there like parts of the book where there were paragraphs missing and you couldn't understand why you couldn't? read certain paragraphs well yeah if that happened to you the reason that happened is because there are graphic scenes in that book where there are children orgies oh weird in that book and it is unnecessary and i think it's because stephen king was cocaine out of his mind when he wrote that and that's a true story i think that what you could be referring to if i may be so bold is you might have been reading books that were outside of the Ranger Rick redacted reader versions, which if you were reading those... Oh, you had the Ranger Rick version? All the redacted ones, where wherever it had words that are bad, it would put like cool pictures, things to color. But one thing I will say, one thing good, despite all the child sex in that book, one thing that I will say good about it, about it not one, not one cowboy... There wasn't a single cowboy in it. I think we've established that you have an anti-cowboy. Would you put it on the level of Jack's anti-fireman level? No. Okay. No, I don't hate cowboys as much as Jack hates firemen. Yeah, that's a pretty high bar. But I will say that I love Flubber more than Jack hates firemen. Well, we know why you probably like Flubber. It's a very messy noisy experience for you and i feel bad for you really you should get some help with that if you want to talk after this show you can talk to me about I'm it probably going to be busy <laughs> i'm going to go watch flubber i'm going to go watch porkies <laughs> yeah porkies okay. got porkies on the brain all right well uh, my terrible neighbor story actually doesn't doesn't involve somebody else being the bad neighbor it, it involves me being being the bad neighbor oh well that's very introspective of you very big so in 2011, while I was in the Marine Corps, I was stationed in Camp Lejeune. I, I married a young lady who is now an ex-wife, and we purchased a house. She was also in the Marine Corps. And it was like, that house was kind of like a, just a frat and sorority house. Um, a lot of parties and stuff there. And, and we had a, a boxer named Carl. Hmm. Uh, not, a, not a boxer as in a guy that fought with his knuckles a lot. An, mm-hmm. an, a, a canine, something with four legs. Okay. You know what a boxer is? Yes. Yeah. Like a dog? They look like those, they look like a Rancor from Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. So these new people moved in beside us in this house, beside us. And Carl, our boxer, and he was a big asshole, mm. he would get out sometimes. And whenever I would try to catch him, he would like stop in front of me and would get down like in a playful position, right? And whenever I would try to grab him, he would, like, juke. Like, yeah. Like, Just like a rancor from Star Wars does. That's how they get you. 
And I would just look like a, the biggest dipshit mm. ever just out here trying to catch a stock and getting incredibly frustrated. So that's the first time the neighbors saw me <laughs> was out there trying to chase this boxer and being like, Carl, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> and then trying to lure him in with like hot dogs and I don't know, mayonnaise, whatever I had. Yeah. And never worked. He was just wanting to play. And it was funny when it was in the backyard where it was fenced in. Not funny when you're genuinely concerned about him being hit by a vehicle or running away. Yeah, because then you have that added worry. You're saying more words than you want. In the backyard, it's one thing for people to hear you be like, Carl, come back here. Get this wiener. Get my wiener. Come here, get this yeah. wiener. But when you're in the front yard and you're anxious and there's more worried, that word that word can be misconstrued, especially if people's windows are open. And I'm sure they heard that a time or two through open windows. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, really ruins a spring morning. So that, that was their introduction to us, mm. was they're moving in, and then they see me chasing this boxer. And and then, not long after that, the second time that they had an inter- interaction with us, one night, so I need to preface this with taxi drivers on, on Camp Lejeune and in Jacksonville have a kind of a scam. And, and it's a scam designed to trick... Young Marines, privates, PFCs, into paying more money than they have to for a cab ride. What they do is they'll get these guys that are fresh, fresh. They call them boots, new guys out of boot camp. Okay. That don't know the place. They'll ask to go to a mall from their barracks or wherever, you know, and they've got their hind tights and their fucking little stupid-looking Marine Corps jet. They they really like to make people know that they're in the Marine Corps Mm -hmm. because they don't yet realize they're too young and dumb to realize that everybody – in this town is a marine <laughs> so it doesn't matter right to nobody nobody gives a fuck <laughs> whatever you just said everybody that works at at walmart is a is a retired marine mm. or their dad or mom is a marine like it's that's what the whole town is everybody in this so it's easy to spot new guys right because they got their hind tights they've always got egas on their on their jackets and shirts they simplify dallas <laughs> like that kind of shit on their on their clothes, you know. It's always easy to spot. But what cab drivers do, and this is probably on mil- any military installation, is they'll pick these new guys up, and they'll say, "Hey, I want to go to the mall, or I want to go to McDonald's, or I want to go to Wendy's, wh- wherever, the the theater." If they're new guys, probably a strip club. That's what young young guys with high tights and EGA shirts they want to do because they're, you know, they think I'm going to tell this girl I'm a marine. <laughs> and she's really gonna it's really gonna drive her crazy even though she fucked 13 marines <laughs> last week wow she got you know and her dad is a gunnery sergeant yeah talk about you flubber know. yeah that's really gonna blow her mind there private <laughs> with your hind tight like <laughs> but what these cab drivers will do is instead of taking point a to point b like the shortest distance between two points is a straight line right uh-huh they'll go all the way around town oh they'll drive up and all the way around, and the way Jacksonville is set up, is it's essentially a giant square. And Camp Lejeune is on one end, and then everything. So instead of going, like, down, boom, strip club, they'll go boom, boom, boom. They'll take the square, the whole square around. <laughs> and then when you, you start reflecting on, like, holy shit, like, you know, four years later, like, that taxi driver was an asshole. <laughs> I was paying three times what I should have had to pay to go to this. Look, so that's the scam, right? Yeah. So one night we're having a party at my house, and uh, it's like two in the morning. I have a buddy who actually probably listens to the podcast. 
His name is I'm not going to give his last name, but we called him Cheese. Okay. And we called him Cheese, which and, and Cheese was a shortened nickname from Cheese Will. And the reason we called him Cheese Will Op yeah. is because he had the fattest dick of, that we have ever seen in our entire life. It was like a pop can. It was like I a didn't. flesh, like super average lengthwise, right? But like a fleshy soda can. Just, I don't even know how. It was almost a defor- It was almost a deformity. It was so fat. So it was like a tuna can. Like a tuna can. No, average length. He okay. had an average length. Well, that would be tuna can. No, no, it's not tuna can. It probably actually looked a lot shorter because it was so wide and girthy. Hang on. I want to just clarify really quick. What do we consider average length? I mean, are we talking one and a half, two and a half, three? I would and say a half? three. Three. Yeah. Three flaccid. Oh, rock hard. That's that's okay. Okay. You know. Okay. Man. So he was he was way above average. Okay. You know. Uh, all jokes aside, I think the average is like six, right? Wow. I am gonna have to have surgery. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a just a just a a a. a Flesh-colored pop can. Wow, it's a really big visual. It was almost, it was terrifying. Yeah, as a young lady, if somebody, as a young lady, I don't know how that thing fit. It, anyways, so cheese is coming from a, a club to my house. It's like two in the morning. I know he's coming. They're like, hey, cheese is going to be here like two in the morning. I was like, all right, we're going to party till two in the morning rolls around. They're like, hey, cheese is beating the shit out of somebody in your front yard. Uh oh. So I run outside. I'm like, oh, no. And Cheese has dragged the taxi driver that took him from the club because he was drinking. He didn't want to drive to my house. So he's like, I'll just call a taxi. He's trying to be responsible. And whenever – and he realized what was going on. This taxi – Cheese has been in the Marine Corps at this point four years. Mm. He's a corporal. He knows, like, he knows what this guy's doing. Yeah. So he just sits there and fumes on it. The whole ride doesn't say anything. And then he decides, no, he gets he gets to my house, gets out calmly, walks around, opens the guy's door, and just drags him out of the car and starts beating the dog shit out of him in oh, my front no. yard, this taxi driver. Yeah. <laughs> so I run out, and I'm, like, breaking up the fight between Cheese and the taxi driver, and I look up at 2 in the morning, and that guy, my new neighbor, that has only seen me fighting with a boxer yeah. out in the street is now seeing me break up a fight between... <laughs> what seems to be a stranger to him and a taxi driver in my front yard. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm also really shit-faced. <laughs> I ended up having to pay the taxi driver off to not call the police. I don't even know how much. I think I gave him like 50 bucks. Wow. To not call the police because cheese li- really let him have it. Oh. So that that was two experiences that I had with this unfortunate family. By now, he's probably thinking, these are the worst neighbors ever. Mm. We, are, we are the worst neighbors ever. Not long after that, I was having another party. It was like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 5.30 in the afternoon. A bunch of my friends are there. We're having fun. I'm really drunk. We've got hot dogs and hamburgers in the kitchen. I'm out in the backyard. The family, they're like, we're going to try to like smooth this over. I, I guess they were thinking, we'll say hi to our new neighbors. <laughs> so it's him and his wife, and they've probably got, the little boy is probably like three years, I'm guessing, three or four years old. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, can we talk to you for a minute? And I was like... Yeah, and I like walk up. I'm really drunk. Mm. And they're like, oh, we just want to say hi, you know. And the little boy was like, 
uh, I smell hot dogs. And I was like, you like hot dogs? And he was like, yeah, I like hot dogs. And uh, me being the social the social parasite that I am and not picking up on what is decent human behavior and what is not decent beha- human behavior, I just reach over the fence and pick their child up and, and bring him into my yard. And I've just essentially kidnapped their child, right? I get, and only I had the audacity to do it right in front of them because he was standing right between them. So now I have their child in my arms and they're just standing there bewildered and I was like, we'll be right back. I'm going to go get this boy a hot dog. Oh my gosh. And I just turned around and walk off and I think they were so flabbergasted, just so like taken aback that I just picked their child up and walked into my house with him and I did get, I just got him a hot dog. It doesn't even sound but. <laughs> Like I, I got the kid a hot dog, like an actual hot dog, like one that's made out of pork and you yeah. put it on a bun and a mustard. Yeah. And then I brought him back, mm. and they just let me do this. Like they didn't know me. The only time, the only, the only experiences I had with me was me fighting with a dog in the front yard, and then me trying to break up a fight <laughs> in my front yard. And then I kidnapped their child and just walked off with him. Walked off with him into my house. Yeah, I can just see it. Like you walk over to get a hot dog, you talk to the kid for a minute. They see it from a distance. They hear the yammering distantly with their kid, and then you look over and you're like, "Hey, I'm going to keep this one." <laughs> and they're like, okay. "Who just lets a stranger, a drunk stranger, just grab their child?" And they just stood there. That's they amazing. And I tell you what, like I started reflecting on that. Yeah, I started reflecting on that the next day. I was like, "Holy!" Sh-. And and then my buddy, another guy from my unit, he was like, "Hey, you just like took their kid, just like snatched their kid and, and walked into the." I was like, "Oh yeah, I was drunk." And I started thinking about that, and I started getting pissed off. And I was like, "You know what? Fuck those guys!" Like, they, like it was their fault. Those weak, I really lost some respect. Weak for them. parents. <laughs> they let me kidnap their kid. Stupid. How easy it was was scary. <laughs> it was terrifying. What could it have been possible that more scary than how easy it was? Was it possible that you were scary? At the time, I was probably very intimidating. Okay. I'm not. Inti- I'm just a fat guy now with a beard. But at the time, I was. You're beautiful. Yes, probably okay. very intimidating. Uh, and I didn't have a shirt on. I don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, that may have been it. Like I would imagine that when I went into the house, the dad, the mom was probably looking at the dad like, "Really, Jerry?" <laughs> You know, like he just took her. What do you want me to do, Susan? He's a freaking marine. What am I supposed to do, Susan? Oh, well, he was a marine too. Oh, oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, Everybody's interesting. A, huh. So, but but on top of that, I've got twenty of my Marine Corps buddies there in the backyard, yeah. and it's just him and his wife. Yeah, like, you know. Wow. We'll just have to make another. That's a. That's gone. A, that's in there getting a hot dog. That's an adventure. For everyone. I really lost some respect for them. Really bad neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Terrible neighbors. Terrible. They should Ugh. keep a better eye on their child. They should. <laughs> it should have been harder than that. The things we learn as we grow. <laughs> but Well, into our story op. We're doing the yeah. bloody... We're, you know, we're 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. That's about Maybe we time. should mention what we're talking about. We're doing the bloody benders this, this week, and, and I, need to, I need to stress right out the gate. I hate this story. Oh, <laughs> I hate this. I thought that I liked it. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah, I know about the Bloody Benders. That'd be a fun story to do. I ended up reading what's typical for this podcast is one book. I'll read one book, go into old newspaper articles, watch some documentaries. That's genuinely, most of the time, plenty of information. I ended up reading two books about this one called The Bender Tragedy, written by a lady by, by the name of Mary E. York in 1875. 
That's when, when the book, book was, was written. written. That was when it was written. Wow. It was excruciating. It yeah. was written by the the wife of one of their victims. Is that old enough that like in the the actual type in the book where they use the V instead of a U? Yes. Oh my goodness. I couldn't have read it. I, I, I would imagine in the original, you know, I got like a whatever you call it where it's reissue. Reissued. Yeah. But it is written like Reprint. a Civil War soldier's writing home to his wife from the front lines. Yeah. Well, um, my dearest Annabelle. <laughs> my loins sweateth on behalf of the thought of your face. It and was excruciating to read. Yeah. It was it was terrible. I cloister uh, the vision of you inside of my upon lilins. You just say loins. Loins. <laughs> Your loins and my loins and loins. That's how they talk. (laughs) Say loins a lot. Our conjoined loins have seen better days. So, uh, The Bender Tragedy, terrible book. I don't remember. It's just because of how old it is. Would you recommend this episode? I wouldn't to anybody. No. Probably going to be the worst TCK episode ever okay well i'm really looking forward to i'm but counting. if you're still here you know you've already invested 35 minutes you might as well into stay. this might as well push forward drop your shoulder push forward like i i've been fucking pushing forward for two weeks so i don't want to hear you complain yeah this is i the, had to read these two books the other one was the bloodstained benders oh, wow. more evil than you know and it was mm. written by, by a man by the name of charles province and i got to get this give this one credit pretty straightforward and i like that yeah i like that when you're trying to get information i like dry I yep. just want. I don't need any of your bullshit. Nope. The I problem, like my history like I like my women. Thick and basic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean. To Ochazine, you know what they say. To Ochazine. Well, of these two books, obviously, I've got to. I've got to recommend the Bloodstained Benders more, but. Here's here's why I hate this story. Yeah. To put this to put this together for this podcast, I utilize these two books, old news articles from the 1800s. Wow, fun. Riveting. Documentaries. I really it's a, it's just a this episode is a frustrating amalgamation. Could of, would you of go every piece of media that I could gather? Would you go as to as far as to say that maybe we've reached uh, the the barrier, the boundary of the date by which we do true crime kits? Like, is eighteen seventy? Like, it feels like anything beyond that. It'd be like we're talking about the Whigs and how. Well, this they, is around the same time that Boone Helm. Okay, was, so maybe was, not was raising hell all over the the western. No, yeah. I guess Boonhelm was more in the – it was, if memory serves, 1890s. But that's still only 15, 20 years yeah. uh, after this. The problem with this is uh, what makes this story so frustrating, and if you've ever listened to another podcast do an episode on, on the Bloody Benders, you know this. 99% of the story is speculation, theories, and he said, she said. Fun. I love those. Less journalistic They're- integrity, the better, I say. There's very little fact, hard fact, mm, my in, kind this, of story. in this story. Okay, and it and it gets to be a real, it gets to be a real job trying to separate the bullshit from the factual. But I've I've done that, so the listener doesn't have to. Well, I'm glad you're here for that. I'm glad that you are bringing us along this journey. 
Now, uh, normally I like to bring something new to the case when we do an episode. If I've picked an episode, it's because, well, I think I can put a new spin on that or I can dig up something that maybe hasn't been brought up in an episode before. But uh, uh, there's going to be very little of that in here. <laughs> well, I was going to say, on a case that's from the 1800s, the only thing you could really dig up would be like a dinosaur or maybe like a blue-footed booby, something that's already extinct. But there's Ex- not, exactly not and, a whole and, you lot know, of late-breaking on this one. Not not a lot of groundbreaking. No. Uh, on that note, let's, you know, let's spoiler kick this alert: off. they don't get caught. <laughs> well, the vendors they they get away scot free. And I didn't crack this case. I, I really a hundred fifty year old case. I wasn't able to get any new new forensic evidence. Dang it! No I wasn't new able witness to, testimonies. Nothing. To secure an interview, ah, I wasn't able to secure an interview with anybody that shoot. had first hand accounts. Dang it! Of the, of the crimes, uh, like the last one. We should have kicked um, off a seance, see if we could get some juicy bits from the other the other realm. <laughs> but I'm actually kind of excited. Coming off of the Jason Vukovic episode where I had firsthand accounts from the from the man himself that we were covering and I did a deep dive and was able to get all this good juicy information and it's a good story. I'm excited to have an episode that is as much of a piece of shit as this one is gonna be. Well, I'm looking forward to it now. So, before we get into the story op, let's get to know the Benders. Okay. The Benders comprised the family. It was made up of four people. Four people. You got Paul Bender. John Bender Sr. was the dad. Okay. Supposedly. There's going to be a lot of that in this. Supposedly. Okay. Supposedly the dad. Mm-hmm. So, John Bender Sr., who they called Paul, very common name in any inbred situation, Paul, Went by the name, possibly, of John Flickinger. Which is very you know? different than John Bender. So Very different than John Bender. Okay. Supposedly went by the name of John Flickinger in a, in, earlier in life. He was an older man, though. That's a fact. And we know that he was around 55 to 60, 60 years old. He uh, also sometimes went by William. So well, very, Also very similar to John. Yes, very eclectic naming system this guy has. Okay. Now, now Pa spoke very little English. And uh, he was born around 1816. He had broad shoulders. And a lot of the locals compared him to a gorilla. Hmm. He was uh, just kind of spoken grunts, very little English. <laughs> uh, and whenever he did speak English, English, it was often a, uh, a guttural kind of curse word. Yeah, just like a just gorilla. To... The fuck? Light on the English. Shit. Yeah. That's kind of all he really had to say. Hmm. Somehow... And I, and I was never able to chase down where this information came from or, or how they came up with this. But historians, historians believed he spent his life uh, prior to, to when he pops up in history here working uh, the fishing nets in New York City. So really? looking around crates and, and all that. I don't know why. Because we were, these people were never caught and because they kind of appeared out of nowhere, how that happened, how, how we came up with that is, is, is kind of – Confusing to me, but he was a very strong old man, a very strong old sixty-year-old man, and he was around five foot eight with bushy eyebrows, long hair, and despite what you may have heard uh, on, on other podcasts, other documentaries, he did not have a big bushy beard. Now mm. I don't know why that's often reported; it's not true. Um, I, I was able to find the the wanted posters themselves that were drawn up days after the Bender family went missing, and the descriptions of the physical descriptions of the family. Uh, were fresh on everybody's mind because they were given by people that knew them in their day-to-day life. And they all say that he was clean-shaven. 
We're going to go so, ahead and say it. We, you heard it here first, folks. We you, that, heard, you heard it here first. We broke there, it. That's the groundbreaking uh, news here. Paul didn't have a beard. Okay. He did not have a beard. He had a mustache. Okay. But he, but he did not have a beard. So he talked very little, never looked anybody in the eyes when he talked, and just cursed a lot. So that's Paul. John, okay. Bender, John Bender Sr. Next up, we have Elvira Bender, or Ma, that they called. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, that's fun. That is. She didn't speak. She didn't speak fluent English either, uh, but she did speak it better than John. She was not a friendly individual, and the neighbors around the neighborhood they didn't live in a neighborhood. They lived on farmland, but her her farm neighbors called her the she devil. Oh, so. that's pleasant. Hey, let me ask you: When you say they didn't speak a lot of English, was this by choice, or was it because there was another language that would have been more predominantly used by these individuals? So we're going to get into this in a minute. Okay, I'll hold when my we get comments. into the story. But it's because they actually don't speak English. Oh, okay. For for Ma and Pa, it's because they uh, genuinely just don't speak English very well. Okay. Pa hardly at all, and Ma is limited. Okay, so it's not a matter of intellect. It's it's something no, no. else. Okay. I withhold my comments, Judge. So Ma is between 42 to 55 years old. She's slow-moving. She's got a thick German accent, broken English, not very talkative. She's heavy set, so she's got that she got that she got that booty. Hmm. She probably had that you know how the dresses they like, would like a shelf explode out. Yeah. Yeah. You could sit on it. Yeah. 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 Hmm. She would be a she would be in like a Sir Mix a lot yeah. video with this would. We're talking pH thick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Heavy set. She had brown and gray hair, and it was always ragged. And she had heavy lidded, cold blue eyes. She could be vicious. The neighbors called, like I said, the neighbors called her she devil. She claimed spiritual influences had taken possession of her body, whatever that means. So we're already seeing a little bit of instability here. Yeah, I'm also seeing what John. I'm, I'm sure I'm seeing what Pa saw in her too. What a looker! Yeah, seems like a real yeah, catch. She was, uh, described as being very witch-like, which is uh, very dangerous in the 1870s. Yeah, you don't want to be known as that. Maybe she just had low center of gravity, though, so that you know that offsetted the witchiness, and they were like, just stay away. Uh, what? You know, low center of gravity. She experimented with incantations. She was a scary woman. Uh, said to have several. Th- now, this is another thing you'll hear on almost everybody that covers this. Said to have several husbands that she killed for money, and many kids. But there's literally no basis of any kind of fact in this claim. So I think hmm. it's what we have here is sensationalism. Over the years, yeah. they became so well known that people started making shit up, and then what th- what happened is that becomes fact. I right? would also go as far as to say in my research. I can confirm that if you heard it elsewhere, she didn't have a beard. She didn't, and that's another. We're breaking that here. Breaking it here. Elvira had no beard. No. She had not a even lot. remotely. She had a lot of hair elsewhere, but not even a five o'clock shadow. Well, she had a lot of hair elsewhere because it was eighteen seventy. She had a huge six o'clock shadow, if you know what I mean. <laughs> We're going by the traditional clock oh i see yeah the clock pointing down you yeah. were talking about 
vaginal hair no, operator. No, no, no. <laughs> I was talking about... What were you talking about? Hmm? So, like I said, many speculate that she killed her husband. She was so... So this is just people talking. I think, I think, me personally, this is in 1893, you know, 23 years after this happened. It's like, oh, yeah, and then Ma Bender... She'd been married a bunch of times. She killed all them husbands, every one of them, like yeah. Bell Gunnis almost, uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. There's no evidence to back any of this up. There's, hmm. there's, there's no evidence. But she supposedly killed them with a hammer and at least killed three of her kids, supposedly. Hmm. And, I, and I just people. really want to – I think it's so important to so, – so that I can get across how my, the reason that I hate hated doing the research for this the research for these episodes is usually my favorite part i really love doing it hated this one not just hated it not this time i can tell so the third the third member of the family john bender jr uh he actually spoke fluent english and had a a little bit of a german accent he would also but but they 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 described him as being a half-wit and he would often burst out in laughter after everything he said so he'd be like uh They'd be like, hey, John, did you? are you the one that shit in this cow trough? And he'd be like, no. <laughs> Crap. Is laughing after what you say a sign of being a halfwit? In 1870, it was because uh, there was nothing to be happy about. Okay. So it's different today. Okay, good. To know. I don't think laughter was invented until the 50s. Yeah, I, would, I was going to say around time color TV came around before. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, yeah, if you were just laughing in the 1870s, people thought something was wrong with you. They didn't your have mom jokes. Was a witch. Those weren't invented until, I would say, Richard Pryor. I was, came, yeah, was going to say the Richard Pryor or when Reagan became president. <laughs> so, you know, if you, we didn't even know what laughing was in the 1870s scientifically. Yeah. We didn't know, like, just, this guy's just making weird noises with his with his mouth. That's odd. Uh, they'd be like, hey, you know, John Bender Jr., why are you jerking off right now? And he'd be like, I'm not jerking off. <laughs> and, like, we can literally see your dick, yeah. John. That's weird, too, because they didn't invent that until the 70s. We can literally see your dick, cheese. Because I bet John had a big fat. Anyways, <clears throat> where were we? So he would laugh at himself, you know, half-wit. He had gray eyes. Locals thought, like I said, he was, he was off his rocker. He was between, between the ages of 25 and 27. Tall and slim. He had a mustache. He was clean-shaven, aside from that. And uh, everybody considered him to be kind of handsome in a, in a weird country boy in a, in a weird country boy kind of way. Kind hmm. of way. He had close-set eyes. He was always staring intentionally at the horizon like he was. He had that 1,000-mile that 1, stare. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, all the time. He might have been blind if he was always staring at the horizon. He might have. That's true because we didn't know blind. what blind was in 1870 either. No, we didn't have that until Third Eye Blind, I believe, was the first case. Oh, it was around that time. Yeah, yeah. I think before, if in, around the 1870s, if you just said I can't see anymore, they just thought you were a witch and they would burn you at the stake. Yeah, so, exactly. That doesn't make no sense because you got eyes. Or they'd be like, you can't see no more. Seymour's right here. Look, right here. He's right here. Seymour is right here. And then they'd be like, well, I don't see him. And then they would hang Seymour. They would. They were they'd like, be like, he's a ghost, witch. He's a ghost. <laughs> we got to re-ghost him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we need to, He's become opaque. We need to. 
We need to, he needs to be a retranslucinated. Re, that's what they called it. I believe, yeah, reinvisibilized him. <laughs> yeah, something. Now, unlike his his parents, John Bender Jr. was a very social person. Uh, he 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 enjoyed having a social life, but not as social as his sister Kate, Kate Bender. Now we're gonna start tapping our toes back into supposedly here. Mm. Some people say that Kate and John weren't brother and sister, but were common law husband and wife. Oh goodness! And that John Bender Sr., Elvira Bender, John Bender Jr., and Kate Bender weren't even related at all. They were just four not good people that somehow crossed paths. Said, "Hey, we got it. Let's get a scheme going." And then some people say, "No, John, John and Elvira are the mother and father. John Bender Jr. and Kate Bender." Our brother and sister, and they're just incest. John we, Bender Jr. and Kate just like, just uh, you know, joining their genitals. Yikes! Uh, I don't know what. They're like getting their genitals together every now and then. It was the eighteen seventies. Very little uh, showers. Probably not. And and making them disappear inside one another. Nah, that even hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Now we're the Kate Bender, who who spoke perfect English, no accent whatsoever, and she, uh, this one is probably the, not probably, she is the biggest Fruit Loop of the group. Wow. She's around 21 years old. She's the Bender's only daughter, supposedly. But we do know for a fact that she, that she was very keen on preaching the word of free love. She loved giving lectures to anybody that would listen about how one shouldn't deny the urges to to her family members. Oh, you know, yikes! Specifically, their brother. Paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of, uh, "If I feel something towards my brother, why should I stop those urges?" Sounds very Ayn Rand of her. <laughs> yes, yes. She was also uh, known to kind of justify murder in certain occasions. Oh, huh. almost like she's kind of getting trying to get ahead of a situation. Yeah, that's right. not helpful Helpful either. Now, she had a lot of personality. She was very lovable by everybody that knew her. She was around 5'6", slender, and she had big old titties. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I didn't... I was involuntary when I just went, <laughs> oh. I didn't mean to exclaim that way. Sorry. So... She was busty. She was busty. That was the ops way of, of saying that. Yeah. She she had a lot of she she had a very robust mammary. <laughs> she had a lot of fat on the upper portion of her chest. Yeah. And at the end of that fat was nipples. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> So she was also voluptuous, uh, which I think in eighteen seventy just means you're not starving. Yes, you're not going to die soon, yeah. She had auburn hair. She was beautiful, hazel eyes. She was graceful. And on top of all these things, she was satanic. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You just, all the boxes and then... I hit you with the left there, right? Yeah. It was like, right, 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 left. Yeah, checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. Burn the sheet. (laughs) And, you know, satanic chicks these days, in in the 2021s, they're always hot. You yeah. ever see, like, they always got tattoos and, like, all that. They're always, like, very Kat Von D looking, almost always, it mm-hmm. seems. Yeah. But not the case in 1870. Yeah. And this is why I bring that up. 
supposedly, depending on what you read, Kate Bender was a fucking bridge troll. (laughs) (laughs) I am so confused and conflicted by all the descriptions you gave of her, her being sociable and all these things and there's certain parts of her that are very you know now everybody does agree that she was satanic she preached the free love all of that stuff very sociable but as far as her physical attributes her looks go depending on what you read what article you read what what source you're using some describe her as looking homely ragged busted they don't use the word busted that's a 2021 (laughs) translation ratchet but one thing that they do point out is that she smelled bad her hygiene was terrible, and she always had, and I don't know why this made me laugh, and this is why I tend to like kind of lean towards this maybe being more accurate just because of how specific this particular detail is. But one thing they said is she always had dirt in the folds of her neck. Oh, really? So have you ever been like, I, I don't know if, I'm sure you've done farm work you ever done, yeah. had to do, dig fence posts oh yeah and you work all day out in the sun and you get wet and then you get sweaty and then you eat dinner yeah. and then you get home and you'll hold your neck up and you know how you'll have the lines in your neck that'll be brown that's how kate kate bender was all the time she always just looked like an andy i was gonna say i get that bucking hay like shucking bales like you get that so do you think it's possible that she really didn't preach free love, but they got that confused because she was constantly saying, please, free love. It's free. Just take it. Do you think? <laughs> That's maybe, very possible. I'm wondering. That's very possible. That's very possible. I mean, there are people for people. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes you can Can you imagine how smelly those folds were? Those, those neck folds, though? Like, Oof. this is 1870. Like, if you were bathing, it was in a creek. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Apparently, according to this side of history, she wasn't bathing at all. Yeah. I can and see, because like, of her message, I tend to believe that these kind of people don't favor hygiene. Yeah. I'm going to say, when you walk by her, somebody's just like, you smell neck trout? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Neck carp. Yeah. Neck carp. Neck carp. That's yeah. better. I like that. But no matter what her physical attributes were, she dreamed of being a lecturer. Uh, she wanted to be well-known. She wanted to be somebody with wealth and power. And she was a great dancer. She was friendly. She had a sense of humor. She occasionally attended church despite her Satanist beliefs. She worked for a while as a waitress in Cherryville, Kansas. Uh, and it's when she was working here that she started giving lectures on spiritualism and conducting seances. She sp- she claimed she could speak to the dead. She was a self-proclaimed expert of the supernatural. She read Palms. She said she was a spiritualist medium. She showed the future using sticks and buttons. You heard me right, sticks and buttons. She sold low potions. Weird. She claimed to be able to see into the future and that she knew Napoleon personally, even though he had died three decades prior to her birth. She met. She talked to Napoleon's ghost constantly. She claimed to be the female incarnation of Jesus Christ. Wow. You want me to keep going? Ew. We getting I'll, an idea of this lady up? Yeah, getting, I'm getting a real good. I can smell her in my little stew stew studio here. If this, if Kate Bender was placed, plucked from from 1870, and thrown into 2021, it was almost, it would almost be like she would just go directly onto the the liberal arts portion of a college campus. Yeah, and her hair would turn into dreadlocks, and she would be playing a ukulele and watching two guys. Uh, hit a hacky sack around. I was going to say, if she ended up on a campus 
it would probably be as like an exhibit in the paleontological section. Just, you know, like, is that real? Did that really live at one time? Where was that found? <laughs> that come out of the mud? You know, reading a lot about, uh, I, I, one thing that I kind of got sucked into this past week was the love, love has one cult that is common, that is, has kind of taken the news as of recently. It's a, it's a modern, it's a recent cult that the leader has just died of, one, one by, woman by the name of Amy Carlson. And Kate Bender really reminds me of Amy Carlson of the love is one cult. First mm. female cult leader, which is very progressive and, and super cool. And what got me into the love is one cult is the last podcast on the left just recently did an episode on them. So. Mm. Love is one. That's math. I don't. That's like math as a 13 no, year old. Lo- I, I may have said love is one. It's love has one. Okay. I was going to say love is one is like as a 13 year old. That's math you shouldn't be doing in your room by yourself. Quick little story about Kate Bender. Uh, one time in Sunday school and Miss. Miss Deans's Sunday school class, she met a lady by the name of Delia Keck. And upon meeting Delia, she offered to conjure up and talk to her dead husband. That was the breaking ice. Like, hey, you want me to talk to your dead husband? And Delia was like, no, I think I'm good. (laughs) So then she went straight to Miss Deans, the Sunday school teacher, and she was like, hey, Miss Deans, you want me to talk to your dead son for you? And Miss Deans wasn't just like, no, but she was like, no, please leave me and my family all of them living and de- living and dead. Please leave us alone. Wow, creepy. My dead grandfather has has came to me six times in the past week and asked and begged for me to tell you to leave him the fuck alone. You smell bad. You've got dirt in your folds, and if he's gonna come back, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be for, for you, you fucking bridge troll. And I made that last part up. I don't think she said that. But she did tell her. She did tell Kate, no, thank you. Please leave us alone. She probably threw like $3 at her. Like, here, go away. Shoo. <laughs> Take my money. Here. Here it is. Just go. <laughs> I'm laughing, but all I heard was church. No, thank you. $3. Oh. Which in, you know, not in, in 1870, that was like 50 bucks. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. They really wanted the timber toad to go away. <laughs> so now we know the family. We know we know Ma and Pa and John Jr. and and Kate, and that's the four. That's the four. That's the four family members. Okay. In October of 1870, the Bender family settles in Labette County, Kansas. I'm sorry, John's. Did you say 1870? 1870. I, there is something really interesting. Oh God, damn. About 1870, you might not have known about. Now, I already know where this... Yeah, go ahead. You're going to be blown away. This uh, Probably not, but 1870 was the year where we had crazy coins. I mean, mm-hmm. collectors call them crazy coins. We mm-hmm. had... Hey, get this, get this, get this. We had a three-cent coin in that year that actually was made out of two different metals. We had a two-cent piece. We had... Okay, this will blow your mind. We had a a coin called a nickel, and we had one called a half-dime at the same time. But these were different coins. And we had a $3 gold piece. Crazy. Who knew? You did. I you did, did up, and and that's the problem. That's the 
Beal. That's the problem. I understand. John John Sr. John Sr. and John Jr. came first. Okay. They 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 trailed the blazes, they blazed the trails to this to this new homestead that they're looking for in October of eighteen seventy. So John Sr. and John Jr. came up first. They seemingly came out of the abyss. We don't have a history of them prior to this. It's like they they seemingly stepped out of a portal. You just reminded me that was the name of one of the videos on the Creeping Neighbors shelf. The Abyss? No, that's a regular movie. This was one of the adult films. I remember now that one of them was called John Sr. and John Jr. came first. (laughs) Thank you. And I've seen that one. I feel unlocked. I feel like you've unlocked part of my history brain about my past. <laughs> Before that, it was just bread loafs, and now I've got more connective, more to connect with. <clears throat> so they they seemingly step out of out of a out of a a black hole on onto the prairies of of Kansas, and just as quickly step back into the black hole and disappear at the end of the story. Mm. We have no history prior to them. They didn't exist up until this point. On a lot of podcasts and a lot of readings, you will you will hear them speculate as to the the country of origins for this family. Hmm. But uh, one other tidbit that I'm proud to bring to the table here is that they were almost 100% certainly German. Um, and, that, and the reason we know this is because they're neighbors to the southwest. And I found this buried. It was uh, I'm very proud of this information. Their neighbor to the southwest, who is who went by the name of Rudolf Brockman, was completely German, 100% German, uh, first-generation German immigrant, spoke only German. He would hold conversations with the uh, with the Benders, all of, all the Bender family, in complete German language. So oh, wow. okay, there's a lot of speculation uh, that they, that they were from the Netherlands as well, Holland, mm. some Holland, but uh, it's almost I can almost guarantee you that the Benders were were of German. Lineage. Okay. Now, John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr. traveled via Osage Trail on a, on a wagon, and the Osage Trail is one of the main highways to the to the Western United States at the there time. There are a lot of movies that took place on the Osage, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, Mighty Ducks. Yes. Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Sweetwater, Last Keepers, The Last Beyond, Cowboys, Good Old Boys, Purgatory, No Place on Earth. A lot. Flubber. Might have. I don't know about that one. Watch it again. Okay. So, Beyond the Law. I think there's a scene from Porky's where somebody shows their bush out there on the Osage Trail. But they were out there looking for a piece of land to purchase. And this is during a time when the, the, the Homestead Act was in play. Do you know what the Homestead Act is? Op, say no so I can tell it because I had to do a lot of research. <laughs> My goodness, no. Please act confused. I fucking know that you know what the Homestead Act is. If anybody, I've never asked a question to somebody and been so confident that they're going to know word for word what the Homestead Act is without doing any research whatsoever. I am. So, Op, what, do you know what the Homestead Act is? On this topic, Kent, I am bereft of information. I'm glad that you you don't know because I'm I'm going to tell you the Homestead Act was enacted during the Civil War in 1862, and it was basically uh, a way to to pressure westward expansion of the white man. Oh. That's, that's what it was, and this is where a lot of the other podcasts are going to go into some virtue signaling pandering about blah 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 blah. White people, I'm not going to do that. I mean, no. you know, 
You know, there's no reason to beat you over the head with that information. We get it. Racism is, racism is bad. Blah blah blah. Horrible, horrible. What we did. Can we can we move on up? Would you would you get over it? Yeah, get over it. They 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 did what they did. They progressed. Yes. How progressive so, of them. <laughs> and and the Homestead Act was offered to to any man, any citizen, or intended intended citizen who had never borne arms against the U.S. government, and they could claim 160 acres. Now, by that they mean uh, the the uh, people who hadn't fought in the Confederacy, which is more than fair. As long as you weren't, you basically just had to not be pro-slavery to yeah. to claim uh, a, a plot of land under the Homestead Act. That right? makes sense too. You get out there on 160 acres with those kind of thoughts in your head, you're gonna try to repeat history. Maybe. Yeah, very fair. Very, very fair. fair. I like that. We did get that part right. Unfortunately, we we did a wrong to make a right. Uh, yeah, the Homestead Act was was <laughs> kind of kind of kicked around some indians here and there yeah yeah i i don't know if you 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 know basic math a positive and a negative still equals a negative yeah and this was definitely oh negative so this was a way like i said to to kind of uh encourage westward expansion and and cropland because you know at the same time we were still primarily on the east coast Mm mm-hmm and uh, and this was a way for for you to claim 160 acres completely free of charge. The only expectation of you was to pay a small fee, and then you had to cultivate the land. You had to farm the land. You had to show that you were doing something with. Do the you land. know what they call that now? That whole area, like where that all took place, Kansas. They call it flyover country. Yeah, I live in a flyover state. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's what it ended up being is 160 acre plots of farms upon landing here in in labette county kansas john senior and john jr they're they're looking for a piece of land and they're they they intend on utilizing the homestead act and they they found a name by the a man by the name of Ern brockman and he had a trading post so they they roll up they tie their horses up and they spend the night with Ern brockman and they reach an agreement that night that the next morning Ern will take the take these two men out and let them let them see the land that's around and let them see the 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 possibilities mm. Uh, the available plots that they could they, they could get. Okay. And how exciting would that be? 160 acres, absolutely free of charge. You just got to pick. That's how easy this was. They gave it to you. Hey, will you farm this land? Yeah, here's 160 acres. That's amazing. I, I yes. having owned five acres, I was, uh, what's the word? Beside myself. You know. Yeah. 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 Now, John Senior ended up picking. 160 acres, like I said, and his land bordered Ern Brockman's. So the man that, that shut him around. Now, also simultaneously, not expecting this, John Jr. gets 160 acres. Wow. So, and because they they never intended on this, they what they ended up getting was 320 acres for the price of nothing. Wow, that's a lot of acreage. Imagine how that. Well, let me let me show you how this how this adds up today. Now, assuming that they now, uh, not assuming. Let, let's pretend like they had children that then passed that down to their children, that then passed that down to their children. Right? Mm-hmm. 160 acres on average today would equal five hundred and five thousand dollars today. Maybe. 160, let me say that again. 160 acres averages today five hundred and five thousand six hundred dollars. That's uh, where I live. That, that would be extremely low still. Okay, well, but between the two of them, 
between the two of them, they got 320 acres. They got for free the equivalent today of $1,011,200. That's amazing. Of land. Yeah. So let's say that they had had children, and then those children had children, and this land kept getting passed down. Today, those children would have over $1 million worth of land. That's amazing. Now, the first thing they did, John Bender, John Bender Jr. and John Bender Sr. was buy a huge rock from their neighbor, Ern Brockman, that was seven foot wide by seven foot long and three inches thick. So basically a big slab. And this rock would serve as the foundation for the cellar that would be underneath their house. Hmm. So they get to work immediately. They buy lumber from Fort Scott nearby, and they build a one-room cabin. And this is just a shoebox. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, it's a 16 by 24-foot cabin, one story. Very simple. There's no crazy construction here. There wasn't a loft or a gaming room. Um, there wasn't a sunroof. or a. It was mm. just a normal, just a a shoebox. Yeah. Just... The most bare-bones cabin that you can possibly fathom. And it's 16 foot by 24 foot. Okay. Now, they also build a barn and they dig a well. They end up digging two wells. That'll come into play in a little bit, but for now, they've only got one well. Uh, and, and the total, total, the cabin is less than one-eighth the size of a full-size basketball court. Hmm. So take a basketball court, right? Yeah. Cut it in half. Cut it in half. And then take that half that you just cut that basketball court in, cut it in half again. Cut it in half again. Does that include end zones or we just like... No, that's football up. Yeah. Basketball, the one where they there's wooden on the floor and they hit the board and it goes through the the, the hoop. Yeah, okay. So you take that basketball mm-hmm. court, cut it in half, then take that half and cut it in half again, right? Wow. So now you got a quarter. But here's the crazy part, Op. Cut that in half again. What? No. That's the size of their cabin. That's, That's one-eighth. That is a one-eighth. That is one-eighth. You should. That is one-eighth. Teach math. And that is the size that all these benders are going to live in. But it's going to get crazier. The fall of 1871, the house is almost finished, and they send the word out to Ma Bender and Kate Bender to come and join them by train. Hey, we got 320 acres out here. Things are hopping. You know, there's elk running by and and alligators. Are there alligators in Kansas? Probably. Probably. There's alligators out here running around, and 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 life is good. And we've almost got this shoebox finished. We bought a big ass rock that's underneath it, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And you come out here and join us. We're we're ready for you, ladies. And John Junior is missing sis. You know what I mean? Ew. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh. I know what you mean. Ew. So Ma Bender and Kate Bender they stop in Ottawa, Kansas, on their way in and buy a wagon and then buy a bunch of furniture for their new home. They load that wagon to the gill with their new couches and end tables, TV stands, and yeah, Xboxes. All the things that you could get in a wagon. It's probably a lamp, I would imagine. And probably. Maybe a, some silverware. Lava lamp. And a lava lamp or three. And there's probably, I would imagine, an end table, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe even an L table. In reality, because the cabin is so small, it, it was really just a table, some chairs, and a couple beds, and probably a nightstand. That's all, that's all that they could fit in there. Yeah. But they when, they when they arrive, when Kate and Ma Bender arrive... At the homestead, they unload the wagon, uh, put it into the cabin, and they remove the canvas. The It's a covered wagon. They take the canvas off that covered wagon, and they use that canvas to divide the cabin into basically two rooms. Oh. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a divider. Okay. 
Now, the layout of this cabin is very important to the story. The uh, on the on the front end of the cabin where you would come in, that's where they would originally. Uh, uh, that's where they would set up their business. This is there's a table. You need to visualize for me here, Op. Mm-hmm. You walk in. There's a there there there's shelves with very simple goods. You know, Kate actually hung. A sign out front. She's a fucking idiot, though. So well, what she meant to write was grocery, but what was actually written on the sign was G-R-O-C-R-Y. So it said grow cry. Grocery. 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 Which is German for grocery. I believe you can get that as an appetizer or side dish at Cracker Barrel. Fried grocery. So they're going to make a business out of this little bitty cabin. The divider, the canvas divider, separates their living space from their business space. They're going to sell groceries. Kate and Ma plant a vegetable and fruit tree orchard. They ended up taking up actually two acres of the land. And this property, the grocery idea is actually pretty good because the property sets only 100 yards from the Osage Trail, which is like the main highway to the west from the east, right? Yeah. So this is a high traffic area. And what is the first rule of business op? The first rule. Spelling. Location, location, location. That's that's what they'll tell you. Hmm. And uh, and I took a business class when I was in college. I was a business major. And the first the first class, we walked in, we sat down. She's like, "Everybody, get your get your notes out." And she goes, "Location, location, location." Hmm. I'll see you guys next week. That's weird. I took a business class, and on page one of the notes that I have, it says lotion. 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 Hmm. I don't think you were in business class. I think you got... The business. Uh, molested. I think you got molested again. The second time in this podcast history where something came up where you're like, you're confused about a situation, and I have to remind you, no, that was just another instance where you were getting molested and you and you hadn't... Re- <laughs> lotion? 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 Uh, they didn't say location, location. I think the first... Maybe the first month of business class was capitalism mm. and talking about capitalism and how yeah. capitalism works. But. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, having this grocery store, this grow cry store, Rockery. right 100 yards from the Osage Trail is kind of like owning a Waffle House off an, directly off an exit in West Virginia. Wow. You know, like, <laughs> that's just going to, that's like a, bringing flies to shit. <laughs> that's uh, it's going to really pull them in. There's a lot of people traveling this Osage Trail. They need goods. They need supplies. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They're dying of tuberculosis. I've played Oregon Trail. I bet you played Oregon Trail. You have died of dysentery. How many times have you seen that in green letters across the computer screen in 1991? Better question. How many times didn't I see it? None. Did you ever make it to the end of Oregon Trail? No, I always died of dysentery. I always died of dysentery or I drowned in the river? Yeah, me too. Because you can drown, too, right? I seem like... Or maybe I was breaking the ferries. Maybe that happened. I, I think you could die in the river. I just remember always hating coming coming to rivers in that game. Yeah. I didn't like the rivers. I didn't like the trails. I didn't like being in Oregon. That's yeah, the worst part. It was. Even worse than that that game came on floppy disks was that it was based in Oregon. Did Have you ever ate at Waffle House? Yes. In Oregon, actually, two weeks ago. <laughs> How many times would you say in your life that you've ate at Waffle House? Oh, goodness. Oh, gosh. Probably 
34. Ask me how many times. How many times have I eaten at Waffle House? Probably 34 times up, I would say. Yes, I have. Now ask me how many times that I ate at Waffle House. How many times has you eaten at Waffle House? I has eaten at Waffle House, I would estimate, probably 2.7 million times. Wow, that is a lot. Listen, I'm 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 Caucasian. Yeah. I'm from the South. Mm. And I had a drinking problem in my twenties. That's all. I the would say that more, more more times than not, my night ended up at a Waffle House. I don't know how many times I've slept for eight hours at a Waffle House. Yeah. Oh, they should like give you part of the business for that much. Like you're a and waffle. And still to this day, I love it. And my little white trash daughter, my little white trash six year old daughter, it's our favorite place to eat. We love it. Waffle House is the best. I love all you fucking toothless chain smoking yep. cooks there. Just. If my cook at Waffle House doesn't have BO, I don't want to make it my waffle. They haven't. You haven't been able to smoke in a Waffle House forever, but they still have ashtrays on the on the on yeah. The I think I saw a cook one time put his his cigarette out in my waffles. It's expected. It's extra. I believe somehow it's still so good. Yeah, so good. I love those nicotine. people. Mm. I love. The warriors on the front lines of Waffle Houses having to put up with those drunks and those yep. heroin addicts and those homeless people that they inevitably have to fight every single shift. You put up with more heroin addicts in a Waffle House than you do a seedy strip club in downtown Detroit. Yeah. Than you do at a Waffle House. Agreed. Next to a Barnes & Noble. Yes. All of that. Anyways, this location gave travelers a place to stop, stock up on supplies, and spend the night. They also, like I said, they they made it they made it a gross they made it a grow cry store. Grocker. It was also a bed and breakfast, so you could crash there for the night. And it was also a makeshift saloon, so you could grab you a bite to eat, and they would cook for you, and then you could have a beer or a shot of whiskey, you know, whatever you wanted. We're we're still talking about the the square, right? The square. The square. This was, was all cut in, in a so so the the building was sixteen by twenty four foot. We know that the living space was bigger than the than the business space, so one can assume that this business space was likely about ten foot by eight foot. Where did you sleep in a in a place like this if you're there as a bed and breakfast? Well, I mean, like we learned about Kate Bender and John Junior. Yeah. They only needed one sleeping bag. You slept in Kate Bender's folds in her neck. That's what in he her did. neck. Yeah, yeah. That's where the dirt came from. Just him wiggling around in, in her neck flaps. I believe that's where we got the term "dirt nap." Actually, was from. <laughs> so they're running a saloon, a bed and breakfast, and a grow cry store Amazing. out of this little bitty ass building. It's it's like very impressive. Mm. Very very impressive that they can make it all of those things. I mean, sometimes I go to a gas station that has a subway attached, and I'm like, wow, this is palatial. This is wild. Yeah. This is revolutionary. Yeah. It seems almost like we called it that they were doing all those things, but really they were just putting a couple more. Like, for example, it's still an 8 by 10 space, but if you put shaving cream on the shelf, suddenly it's a bathroom. If you put waffles on the shelf, suddenly it's also a breakfast nook. You know? Yeah, it's like they were actually, you know, up what they were doing. You know how we've got this tiny living movement that's going on across the United States yeah. right now, where people are, right, for whatever reason, loving buying those little storage buildings and and convert. They were doing that before it was cool. They were. They were visionaries in that aspect. They were smelly before that was cool. the The patron would walk in and they'd be like, "What are you here for?" 
And they're like, right now I'm here for the saloon. And they're like, okay. And they just reach up and a little table comes by and is like, yeah. Ta-da. Exactly. It's a saloon. Here you go. I'm here for some companionship. <laughs> and they, John Sr. comes out, ambling out. Give Kate's a- in the corner talking to her Sunday school teacher's dead son. <laughs> oh, this is, this is crazy. Uh, they operated from the years 1871 to 1873, and business was a booming. But during this time, during these two years, many travelers that were headed west from the east started vanishing, along with all their belongings and their money. Hmm. And that's where we will start the crimes of the Bloody Benders. That also happens at Waffle House. Now, in May of 1871, the first body is discovered. It was a man known as Mr. Jones, and he was found with his skull crushed and his throat cut. Found in a nearby creek named Drum Creek. Uh, nothing came of the investigation. Now, not that odd. I, would, I wouldn't say forensics were in their prime in 1871. I'd say that was just a shade this side of natural causes, maybe, back then. And it was, you know, Indians. There was a lot of tension between between crackers and Indians. Yep. And and we were killing each other left and right. They probably wrote it off quickly. Ah, this are or you know, back then you'd get you'd catch a you'd get overdosed on a lead pill just over a card game. Yeah. You know. It's true. So they have no reason to suspect anything other than a little bit of foul play and nothing more. Pretty common. Everybody goes on with their lives, but in February of eighteen seventy two, two more bodies of unidentified men are discovered laying in a prairie with identical wounds to those of Mr. Jones. Now, on all these men, there is a their skull is caved in on the right side, right above the right ear, indicating that whoever is doing this is likely right-handed. Well, let's see here. If the wound is above the right ear and I'm facing that person and I hit him, I'm hitting him well, with Well, it's my also left. towards the back of the head. Ah, like they're getting jumped. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I get it. Okay. Later on that year, a man by the name of Corlew, which is a fun name. That That's is a lot of fun. It's a good time. Who lived in nearby Independence, was passing by the Bender House on one hot April day when he suddenly, like you do, very common, got a craving for a, you know, in the heat, in the heat of the day, he got a craving for a good hot can of oysters. Oh, oh my gosh. I just <laughs> kind of threw up in my mouth. And I know that sometimes I'm mowing the yard in the summer. It's 100, 100 degrees. I'm out there wiping the sweat from my brow, and the grass is sticking to the hairs in my chest. And I'm thinking, I could really go for a hot can of oysters and a glass of whole milk. That, that would really hit the spot right now. And if the air was just perfumed slightly with the smell of Kate's neck, just to top it off. That would really be the perfect trifecta for me. And I and I I love the fact that I can't differentiate differentiate between the smell of the the hot oysters and and Kate's folds. <laughs> it that's, sounds that's like really a lifetime movie. Hot oysters and Kate's folds. <laughs> so craving these hot oysters, and the book was very adamant about. I don't know why, <laughs> but driving home that he was looking for oysters. He was looking for a can of oysters. This wasn't just what he happened to find. He was like, I am craving oysters. Sounds like heat stroke. <laughs> and this is canning technology in 1870. Now, I can't oh. imagine that it's as good as it is now. There's probably pieces of oak wood and dead worms and shit in there. <laughs> also, 
Let's just check out something on the map really quick. What is the closest ocean? Oh, Kansas is landlocked. <laughs> Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Let's it is very find, landlocked. Let's just find yeah, actually, Kansas couldn't be any more landlocked. I think that if you draw an X from the from the northeast corner of the United States down to the southwest <laughs> corner, and then an X, and then you start a line from the northwest corner down to the to the southeastern corner, the the center of the United States will be Kansas. I'm googling it. One thousand two hundred and ninety three <laughs> miles. <laughs> this is before refrigeration. Oh gosh, that would be the worst can of oysters. And this is on a—you know—he had cotton mouth. He's he's traveling the Osage Trail on horseback in the middle of the heaty, hot. Like this is—you're eating. There's something so gross to me about eating hot oysters with a dry mouth. Gosh. So with the with the he can't get these hot. Oysters off his mind. He stops in the Bender Grocery and, and hopes that, that maybe they'll have what what he needs to satisfy this craving that he's got. <laughs> and they, they fortunately have them. They've got hot, hot oysters in a can. <laughs> Kate sells him a can, and as he was paying for his can of hot oysters, he hears a moan down in the basement, like a... Uh, now, by basement, do you mean the actual place, or was this like... A logistical part of Kate's okay, so body. I'm, I'm throwing a, I'm throwing around the word basement pretty loosely, <laughs> I right? I, I know I'm being irresponsible with it. I'm using the word basement how middle schoolers use love, you know. Like when I say basement, I mean a hole dug underneath their house that has a trap door. Okay, okay. Uh, so he says, and keep in mind, you know that that, that John Junior and John Senior had purchased this seven by seven foot uh, rock. To, to serve as the as the floor for this basement, right? But <laughs> Corlo is kind of shocked by this noise, and he asks about it to Kate, and Kate tells him, "Oh, we had a hog get down there, and we can't get it out. So that's what you're hearing. It's just a hog." <laughs> he was like, "Well, if that's a hog, won't you let me? I'm here. I've got my oysters. You know, won't you let me help? help let me help you get it out." But Pa demands that he leave. And but Kate was like, "Hey, you know, instead of leaving, and I think let me let me go in real quick what their attack strategy was." Okay. Right. What they would do is when a traveler came in, the benders they had this table and set up and a bench seat across one side. Now, this tarp that separated the business side from the living quarters was thin. Mm. Fairly thin. And they had it set up close enough to the bench seat so that when a visitor could sit in that bench seat, the tarp would kind of push up against their back. I see. Yeah. So what they would do is when, and they specifically targeted men, single men traveling alone, that they felt had money and valuables. Paul Bender supposedly, and I use that word again, supposedly being the, the executor, would get a giant hammer. They would lean, they would sit up in this bench seat. Whenever he would see that tarp or that that cloth canvas push up against their back, it would expose the back of their head. He would clock them. Wow. And no one ever asked, they're like, I'd like to eat my oysters at that table, but what's with the bloody section? So we're going to get to that. That's going to actually be important in a minute. But now, supposedly, what what they believe after Paul would bash them over the head with this hammer, 
Kate, they, the family as a, as a unit would drag this body over to the trap door that led down to the basement. They would open the door. They would hang it chest and chin over the door, the opening, and then Kate would cut the victim from ear to ear and let it bleed, let them, let them bleed out. Wow. Then they would search their pockets, any valuables they could get, grab them by the ankles and throw them down into the basement where they would lay until not time when they could safely take the body out and bury it without being spotted. Unless they so would that's the process to... of all the killings. That's the process. Okay, and it's important to, important for you to know that from here, because Mister Corlew, who just wants to enjoy his hot can of oysters, <sighs> yeah, in peace. Uh, so Kate, Kate is like, hey, why don't you sit over here by this greasy tarp <laughs> and eat this hot ass can of oysters in this unair conditioned cabin because we don't even know what air conditioning is because it hasn't been invented for another 40 years which fun fact air conditioning was first brought to attention at the little world's fair or at the no the the what is the big fair that they used to have every year where all the big inventions where tesla would show like the off chicago the, world's fair the world's fair the world's yeah fair. that's where yeah uh we don't have any ac and you've got your oysters why don't you sit over here by this smelly greasy disgusting tarp so that could smack you in the back of your sweaty neck while you eat this hot can of smelly oysters and let me flap my neck dirt in your direction. (laughs) Now, for whatever reason, Corlo wasn't interested in this offer, and he's like, actually, I'm just going to be hitting the road. I've got what I needed, and my cows need to graze. Mm. Luckily, she was concerned that the noises he had heard, he had understood what they actually were and was going to tell somebody. But uh, he got away, and honestly, he didn't think another thing of it until they were eventually, it was discovered what they were I'm doing. I'm guessing that if that was a person in the basement with the, in the death throes, that moan might have sounded quite animal-like. It probably didn't sound like, oh, what the heck happened? You know, it's more like... I, you know, from my research, it sounds like everything that ever happened in this cabin sounded probably <laughs> animal-like. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so many visuals. So much hymns. <laughs> So much collision. So in mid-1872, a man by the name of D. Brown goes missing in the Cherryville area, which is in the Labette County area. Mm. He was a resident of Cedarville, Kansas, which is 60 miles away. He had been in the area trading horses. But something of significance is that he, he wore a very a very specific silver ring on his finger, which comes into play later when they're digging up the corpses. Um, his buddy recognizes and is able to identify D. Brown's corpse by the ring that they find on his finger. Hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, I said, you know, I, I kind of quickly said that Cedarville, Kansas is 60 miles away. I did some research because I was curious how long it would take in 1872 to travel 60 miles. Today, it's an hour, right? You go down the interstate, and you're hitting 60 miles. An hour, no problem. But on a horse, a horse and wagon in 1872 travels an average of 15 miles a day, so it would have taken around four days to get there. Wow. 60 miles in four days. Crazy. Also in 1872, a man by the name of W.F. McCrotty, a Civil War veteran, goes missing along with his $2,600 that he had on his person, which equates to $68,740 today. His uh, wagon and horses also go missing. McCrotty was, like Brown, a resident of Cedarville and had been in the area to see some land business with the government. So. He was light brown? Did you say he was light brown? He was like D. Brown, the guy that went missing. In oh, I thought you were like... He like, had been on a business. Okay. Uh, probably uh, looking for a plot of land uh, or something. Yeah. Okay. 
That explains why they have so much cash on them. They're on business. I was going to say, that's an excessive amount of cash to be It is, but, flaunting. you know, I'd say people didn't trust, trust banks that yeah. much back then, if you could even find one. Mm-hmm. So almost everything is that, – that's probably why wagon robbery, stagecoach robbery was so common. Yeah, they had they had stagecoaches that were uh, armed, armored. Yeah, with sawed-off shotguns. Yeah, it was a famous. That was a popular stagecoach weapon. Fun stuff. Learned that from Red Dead Redemption. Mm, good show. Mm, close. All in December eighteen seventy-two. <laughs> now the the following stuff all happens in December eighteen seventy-two. And that the first the first taking place December fifth, eighteen seventy two, a man by the name of Henry McKenzie of Hamilton County, Indiana, six hundred and nineteen miles away, took him forty one days to travel to this location by horse and wagon, goes missing on his way to Independence, Kansas, Independence, Kansas with his horses. Now he was uh, also trying to take part of the, the Homestead Act, the West Westward expansion. This poor bastard had traveled forty one days through the heat the humidity he'd probably been thirsty that entire time god knows how many cans of hot oysters he had been forced to eat too many and all that so close to be murdered by the benders that's so tragic also yes. i can just imagine you get up to heaven and they're like oysters really he or he's like that was the last thing i ate was warm oysters and he's the first person that that lady that jumped from the Cecil Hotel and landed ass first onto the head of that dude. The big gaping asshole flapping around seas. It's like that dude. You, you think you have it bad? You think you got it bad? I ate oysters before I died. Warm ones. Wow. Uh, also, this, also this month in 1872, December 1872, a man by the name of Johnny Boyle goes missing. As well as two travelers. I call them two travelers, but it's actually a father and daughter. Uh, a man by the name of George Newton Longcore and his 18-month-old daughter, Marianne. They are uh, – it's a very sad story. George here and his 18-month-old daughter, um, Mr. Longcore's wife, had, had died earlier that year, and he was headed to Iowa to kind of start over and raise his daughter as a single father in 1872, which sounds rough. Yeah. Rough. They They leave Independence, start heading towards Iowa, stop at – at not, not not fall, you know, they stop at the benders and are never heard from again. I'm kind of not surprised. They will be dug up a year later, discovered in a shallow grave. George's head has been bashed in with a skull, typical, the typical way that the benders um, executed people. But unfortunately, and possibly the most tragic point of the story, the 18-month-old had been thrown in the hole first, alive. And then the corpse of her father had been thrown on top of her. And then she was buried alive underneath her father. Oh, in a shallow grave. Oh, it's terrible. 18 months old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that part kind of hit me in a certain way. Jeez. 1873, people begin avoiding the Osage Trail for that stretch of 100 miles or so because so many people are going missing. Hey, that place is haunted. We don't know what's going on. Something's going on. Kate Bender's out there, you know, I don't know, braiding her pubic hair. <laughs> Something weird, something wonky is happening. Just people, people vanish without a. It's like the Bermuda Triangle of 1872. Yeah. Right there, on that stretch of us. Down that trail, you'll smell oysters and neck dirt. <laughs> Do not go. If you smell, if you smell oysters, turn around. Turn around. Run. That's Kate. Uh, March 9th, 1873. The the Benders. 
accidentally bring an end to their crime spree, at least on this part of the world, when they kill a man by the name of Dr. William York. Now, Dr. William York had been heading back to Independence from Fort Scott, where he was visiting his brother, Colonel Ed York. So he was visiting. This is also a doctor, you know, a, a prestigious kind of uh, role back then. Educated man. He had connections. He had a, a another brother in, in the U.S. Senate. So this is a man that's not going to just up and vanish like uh, how they've been lucky with the other, everybody else prior. So he's visiting his brother, like I said, at Fort Scott. He's on his way back to Independence, stops to spend the night at the Bender Farm, and goes missing. Has never heard from him again. He's a well-known doctor in the area, though. He has connections, like I said, in high places, family in important positions. Like I said, brother, uh, high-ranking colonel named Ed York, another brother in the U.S. Senate. Both of these men were aware of his travel plans, both brothers. So they have a good idea where to start looking. Mm. And when he fails to return home, his, his brother, that's the military officer, Colonel Ed York, gathers a posse of between 50 and 75 men, and they begin heading up the Osage Trail, questioning everybody that they come across and beating the shit out of anybody that they suspect might have just a sliver of information. Wow, that sounds productive. Yes, very violent posse here. I guess that's one of the benefits to being rich in 1872. You can kind of do whatever you want to poor people. Nobody really says anything like Batman. <laughs> that's Batman, right? He just beats the shit out of poor people. And they're like, oh, Batman, we love you, Batman. <laughs> Batman is really fucked up if you start thinking about like what's really going on. Yeah, it's he's like, got a lot of issues. He's meant, you know, got a lot of mental things going on. It's just a rich dude eating caviar and talking to his maid like shit and then going out and beating the fuck out of poor people. That's all Batman is. Yeah. So, like I said, they start questioning everybody on the Osage Trail. They stop at every homestead. They stop every traveler. They beat the hell out of anybody that might have information. But it works. The strategy works. And they finally beat the information out of enough people that they find their way. They beat their way to the Bender residence. And on March 28, 1973, Ed York and his search party arrive at the Bender Family Inn. Initially, the Benders deny all questions. Uh, they, they say, yeah, you know, your brother, he's probably killed by Indians or bandits down near Drum Creek. John Jr. actually claims that. Earlier, a few weeks prior, he had been shot at at Drum Creek by bandits or Indians. He didn't really know. Uh, and, and, and the benders are, are noticeably nervous. Mm. However, Ed York doesn't have any proof. He has to leave. But on Thursday, April 3rd, 1873, he returns to the Bender Inn with even more men because he had caught wind of a story that a woman had recently ran away from the Bender residence after being threatened by Ma Bender with a knife. So they just couldn't... They couldn't keep their shit long enough together long enough to to not threaten somebody or, or cause a ruckus. The word gets to Ed, Ed York, and he shows right back up. He immediately accuses them of having something to do with his brother's disappearance. Now, initially, Ma Bender, she plays stupid. Uh, no, speak of the English. Mm-hmm, no, of speak course. of the English. How convenient. Um, I was like, why are you talking like that? You're German. That's not even how you respond. <laughs> you know, uh, John Jr. and Kate deny it. Ed doesn't buy it at all, pushes harder. Uh, the, the benders begin to demand that he leave. He refuses. Elvira, Ma Bender, gets so mad that she suddenly becomes capable of good English and tells Ed that the woman he heard about was a witch. Dun, so the dun, woman that dun. she had threatened with the knife suddenly was a witch. She makes Ed leave with his posse, but right before, you know, they're, they're outside, they're getting on their horses, 
Kate comes up to Ed and he, she's like, psst, psst, hey, Ed. <laughs> Ed. I'll tell you what, come back Friday night. This actually happened, Doc. <laughs> come back Friday night. Come alone. It's very important that you're alone. I'll use my psychic powers and we'll find your brother. Did he believe her? On like No, any- he doesn't oh, buy. Okay, He's not interested. Oh, this seems like I mean, I would have fell for that. Yeah. Honestly, I, if there's one thing that really gets the blood moving to my to my nether regions, it's a dirty neck. I really love a dirty neck. And I've always said that. That's something I've always said. Probably said it in previous episodes and I'm sure I'll say it again on 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 episodes in the future. I really love a dirty oyster smelling neck. Um yeah. uh yeah. Yes. It's a it's it's um definitely a provocative uh what do you call that when uh when when it's uh pheromone it's like a natural female when i smell that i think natural female pheromones definitely aren't oysters actually supposed to be a uh, yeah they're a they're a um a, a aphrodisiac aphrodisiac is that, is that the right word yes exactly so, and i think i think oysters dark chocolate yes right? oysters dark chocolate and sex toys and Viagra, and Viagra are supposed to be in F. But like I said, it doesn't bite. He's like, it's kind of odd that you want me to be alone. Can you not do this while other people are there? She's like, it doesn't doesn't work like that. <laughs> but the end of the party are convinced that the Bender family had something to do with Doctor William York's disappearance. Doesn't take a a private investigator to, to figure that out. Now the local town fearing vigilante justice, uh, they call a meeting at the Harmony Grove Schoolhouse. And all the locals attend, all the all the locals around there. Ed York is also there. Pa Bender and John Jr. show up. Huh. And at the meeting, everybody agrees that search warrants should be gotten for every single homestead between Big Hill Creek and Drum Creek. However, this will take a, uh, a long amount of time. So the Benders know that their window is narrowing pretty quickly. They have up until whenever they get these search warrants to get the hell out of Dodge. And three days later, April 6th, 1873, a local by the name of Billy Toll is moving his cattle past the Bender property and notices that it looks abandoned. Mm. Uh, He starts investigating, looks in the barn, sees their livestock in there. They're starving to death. He finds an abandoned wagon, looks in through the windows, and sees that the Benders have bounced. They are nowhere to be found. Word spreads quickly and eventually reaches Ed York. But unfortunately, the weather was real bad. It takes him a few days to get out there. He shows up with his with his search party. Uh, and like I said, three days after the discovery, another party shows up to the farm with Ed York and a man by the name of Leroy Dick, who was the elected who was the elected township officer of of the nearest town. They show up to investigate. They find the can the cabin abandoned. They find a dozen bullet holes in the side of the house. Clothes and paper had been burned, so they're getting rid of evidence. Uh, the headboard of one of the beds is covered in dry blood. Some clothes are found on a line inside of the house, and all of the best clothes are gone. The best horses are gone. The wagon is gone. The good wagon is gone. The, they have seemingly vanished into thin air. Dang it. Now, one thing they do notice is that the inn smells absolutely terrible. That's a shocker. Uh, they, they what? <laughs> That's a shocker. That's a given. That's a yeah. given, yeah. They, they move a bed and find the trap door that leads down to the basement. The second they open that basement door, they get just hit in the face with a terrible smell. And uh, they, they go down to the cellar expecting to find uh, bodies. But uh, in the 7 by 7 foot cellar, the floor is just covered 
almost like an inch deep in coagulated and dried blood. Oh, gosh. And large amounts of blood does smell really bad. I don't think people realize that. Mm. Have you ever smelled like large amounts? It doesn't even have to be a body. Just yeah. a lot of blood. It smells really bad. If it smells like... Um it smells like you can't get away from somebody's sweaty hand after having a fistful of pennies. Yes. Very metally. Yeah. Very it smells very metally. Metally. So, uh, uh, suspecting that probably the bodies are buried in the walls of this basement and um, probably uh, maybe underneath this rock, they just move the whole damn house. That's how. Oh. They, they're just. They just. They're move done. It. They're done. They get a bunch of men and they pick it up and they literally. Move the house. They start digging all around, but they find nothing. And around the time everybody is tired and ready to quit, you know, the sun is setting. It's like, they're not here, Ed. They're not here. And Ed's like, I know they're here. My brother is here somewhere. So the story goes that right before everybody is ready to call it quits and get home, Ed York is, is defeated. He's looking out over the land here, this, this 320 acres. And he looks out into the vegetable garden and sees a small mound of recently disturbed dirt. Mm. He says, right there, I see something that just so happens, this is this is so, supposedly, mm-hmm. the, the place that Ed picked out just so happened to be the grave that his brother, Dr. William York, was buried in. His uh, The back of his feet were just five inches below the dirt. Wow. That's so not- buried in a super shallow grave. Now, almost all the victims are completely naked, every one of them. And uh, after they find one, it doesn't take long to start finding all the others. Uh, like I said, they notice a bunch of other fresh graves around the orchard and garden. They dig graves all night into the next morning. They find nine graves total, but multiple body, par- body parts and bodies had been buried in some of the graves. Every single one of the victims had caved in skulls and slit throats, except, like I said, the, the 18-month-old baby that had been buried alive underneath her father's body. Oh, and uh, a, a young lady that, that has never been identified, that nobody has ever claimed, that, that has never been reported as missing, about the age of 22 years old. She was uh, also very attractive. Mm. But uh, she had also not been bashed over the head. It was guessed that there was a total of around 20 bodies, 11 bodies they had discovered in graves alone. But there kind of were remains scattered around the property. They found some in the second well. A bunch of limbs uh, in the second well, enough to make several other bodies. And they took these bodies that went unclaimed and buried them at the bottom of a hill a mile away. And those 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 graves are now known as the Bender Mounts. To this day, you can go visit the Bender Mounts. That's that's really it's sad. Now, upon an investigation, further investigation into the cabin, they find a shoe hammer, a claw hammer, and a sledgehammer in the cabin. Uh, the, the the hammer that they suspect had been used in the in the murders themselves was actually hidden inside a grandfather clock, so they had kind of hidden it away. And uh, the orchard where the bodies were found was then named Hell's Half Acre, Hell's Half Acre. And that's where, unfortunately and depressingly, that's where the story ends up. Uh, no trace of the benders ever has been found, and for the next 10 to 15 years, uh, the benders kind of in that area of the United States became like Sasquatch. Um, people claimed that they spotted them. Uh, there were even a couple of instances where people were brought to justice for being the benders, only to find out that they were wrong. There are a million different theories about where they went. 
men 20, 30, 40 years later would on their deathbed claim that uh, they had killed the benders in a bounty hunting party, which has never been proven true. Lie after lie after lie. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. The stories aren't worth going into because it's likely that uh, what in reality happened is they got away, lived long, happy lives, and died of old age. And at best, the oldest, the youngest bender has been dead by this point probably a hundred years. What's what's crazy to me is um, it's not, in my opinion, based on your descriptions, these are not four people that just blend in very well. Like, that's... No, no. It's crazy to think that they just, you know, melted into... Also, here's another thing. Like, put yourself in the shoes, the dusty, dirty, sweaty shoes of any of those people that came across them on the Osage Trail. That, it, we, it was not like driving down the freeway. It was arduous. It was horrible. You know, it, it was a terrible ride. And a social experience. Yes. It, it, to get there and to, to see their cabin slash bed and nightmare breakfast or whatever as a respite. You know, as an oasis to go in there and like th- that would be so sad, like lonely and sad. You know, to t- that's your ending. That's that's where you ended. That's where it all ends. Some anonymous cabin in the middle of a trail, in the middle of nowhere, where nobody knows, and nobody, you know, like I said, many of those bodies were never identified. Yeah. So there's some family, you know, maybe in in Tennessee, in North Carolina, South Carolina, that were. That just suddenly lost a relative. They don't ever know. They never knew what. They died of old age. They never knew what happened. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you had a lot of that, right, on those trails, the, the those trails across the, the nation. Yeah, you that's had, true. You had a lot of I, people that just point. died yeah. and got buried. But, but, man, just being the individual and knowing that you're being literally sacked, you know, while you sit there trying to just have some, you know, moment of peace oh just and here's the question here's the question so what 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 do you think what do you think the motive was like why why were they doing this financial it was all financial just robbing them for whatever they had they were they were systematically picking people that they felt probably had uh valuables on them a lot of times these guys had high high quantities of money you got to keep in mind they're traveling westward they have all their belongings on them. Yeah, that's there's true. No, there's no bank. There's no credit cards. There's no yeah. you know, checks. None of that. Like So whatever you have is on you. And this was a main thoroughfare, so it's not like they're... Not like they're... Um, you have a lot of options. You can't like take the Osage Highway or Osage Highway North. <laughs> you know, it's like there's the one. The secondary <laughs> options probably means you're going to end up getting scalped by Yeah, Indians. exactly. So it's it's safety. Should be. Oh, it's just sad to me. So sad. It's like, That's the end. It's like the hills have That's... eyes. This is like the hills have eyes. It's like creepy people kill, you know, just. That's exactly, yes. And it makes it even creepier because there's so little about them before they show up here. You know, uh, yeah. There's just as little about them before they were just mysterious all the way around. It's like they didn't exist prior to this, and they vanished afterwards, just like, like Sasquatch. 
I can yes. see the older ones dying quick, you know, dying off, you know, a couple of years. They're old. They got to die. But the, 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 the children, quote unquote children, they're not that young. They're in their early 20s. Yeah. I, was gonna, I mean, mid, they're not that 20s. old. They're, yeah. So they got a whole life to live being ugly troll people somewhere else. Yeah. I would say that realistically, Kate and John Jr. died probably around the, uh, depending on the lifespan then, probably around the 1930s. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Boy. So they've been dead for 90 years. You, you wonder, you wonder wherever they ended up where they're friggin murders that could have been you know painted on or you know attributed to them if if you looked into it like if you could think and, and once more crazy you know there's there's people in the united states right now it's very likely that are offspring of the bloody benders Ew. and don't even know it yeah well they don't know it for a couple reasons their brain because you know operate. kate bender be fucking <laughs> Ugh. Free love, right? Free love. Yeah. Oof. Everybody. Yeah. So Kate Bender was somebody's grandma, eventually. That's terrible. You know? Terrible to think of. Ew. Well, uh, that was horrible. I'm very interesting, but I can see what... That was a lot of allegedly going on in that. In that. That's most of this story. Yeah. Allegedly. Hon- honestly, the only real... The only facts, like concrete facts... Are are the the you know the facts on the structure itself and and the bodies and that John didn't have a beard? Those that's yeah. a fact. And everything else is is according to people that knew them. <laughs> Crazy as you can imagine, we didn't have a strong forensics team. Yeah, in the middle of the Osage Trail <laughs> in Kansas in eighteen seventy three. No, yeah. it wasn't CSI Miami no. out there taking fingerprints. No. <laughs> They dig up a decomposing corpse and go, God damn, Henry. <laughs> Looks like somebody done hit him with a train. <laughs> Those oysters? They're still half a can. I'll split them with you. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Well, uh, I guess till next time, uh, you know, we'll all ring you. We won't do an intro. We'll just jump right into the next terrible tale. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I want to say before we leave here, I'll, from here on out, We've kind of talked it over, and we want to continue supporting Jason Vukovic, who is obviously still in prison for 23 years for taking it on himself to to try to put some fear and intimidation in a bunch of pedophiles, uh, unjustly, in our opinion, and, and at least in mine, Jack's opinion. And I think you've kind of, I think you're kind of torn on this case. I'm not torn. I, I just like everybody, it, he gets a he he gets a what do you call that slow clap. You know, yes, he's he does he did what we all want to do. <laughs> yes, yes, he did at one point or another. So, with every episode, uh, I've decided of TCK from here on out until Jason's release, even if that takes twenty three years, I will provide the link. We will provide the link to it's like a speed link to donate to Jason's commissary, to to donate to his music player, uh, to donate for legal fees. Uh, for therapy, all the all that stuff, you can choose where you want your money to be uh, allocated, and uh, and there'll be a link for that in the comments. And and on top, and aside from that, you know, don't forget to go to iTunes, rate, review, blah 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 blah. We've got a Facebook, we've got a Twitter, yada yada yada. And when you do, when you do stop by one of our Facebook Twitters, uh, don't forget to say hi. <laughs> I like it. 
when people say hi. <laughs> wow, we just did that. <laughs> and now I need to just have like a cabinet close. Here, click. Dramatic piano music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah, don't. Okay. Hugs. Huh? What? What?